Well, good morning, Identity Church. I know that, uh, I don't know if this is going to be picked up on the recording, but we're right in the middle of a big rainstorm. It was quite bad a minute ago. Thank God it's calming down, so maybe I can get through this message. I barely could even hear myself a minute ago, but I just, I listened to, you know, I was listening this week to a few preachers, and I was, I was thinking about the old times of Easter. You know, when I first met Heather and, and Charlie and Reba, you know, I had never been to a sunrise service, and I probably will never go to another one. But <laughs> what I did, what I did know is that it was a huge thing at one point in time when we were, you know, when I first met Heather and Charlie and Reba and, and they were doing it for the 78 West Ministerial Association um, back in the 90s. And, you know, I just thought about all the symbolism of the things that has to do with, with Easter, the Resur Resurrection Sunday. You know... As you read through the Bible, as you go through and you, and you look at the first four, you know, Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all had their own places. They had their own talents. They had their own way of, of kind of presenting what God was telling them to present. You know, Matthew was an accountant, so he very much accounted for everything. He accounted for, he accounted for genealogies and all these other things. Uh, Mark... He was, he was the one that actually, uh, you know, caused a fight between Paul and, uh, and Barnabas, you know, because Barnabas saw something in him. So John Mark, when he was a kid, he was a whiny, you know, baby, which most of us are. But you know what? He had a talent and God had something that he could be used for. And that something was to go and find all of the disciples and to go collaborate the gospel of Mark. Luke, being a doctor, man, Luke was, a, Luke was somebody that was detailed. He wanted you to know why something happened. He went behind the scenes and tried to let you know what was going on. I love Luke because Luke just didn't stop there. Luke went and created the book of Acts. He took it further. In fact, in the, 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 old, uh, the very first manuscripts of Luke, it just said the letter to, to the church, and it was from Luke. And it was all of the Gospels. It was the book of Acts, everything. And that wasn't broke up until, um, until later on in like the late 400s. But you know what? I love the Gospel of John. You know, John was the one that laid on Jesus' chest that he was like a, a young brother to Jesus. You know, I love John because he knows the heart of Jesus. So when I always tell people when they're brand new Christian and they're trying to understand who God is and what God is all about, I always tell them, go and read 1 John chapter 4. So go read 1 John chapter 4, all of you. This is homework for y'all, okay? You don't have to if you know 1 John chapter 4, but I, I love 1 John chapter 4 because I call it the love chapter. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's the love chapter too, but it's pointing in a different direction. But see, what I want you to understand is John knew the heart of Jesus. 
John knew what Jesus was all about. I mean, that's the reason why the, the most famous scripture is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, I want you to understand something. John himself was 90-something years old when he wrote this gospel. He was actually the last disciple. And when he wrote the, the whole book of John, he wanted people to know the heart of Jesus. Because they didn't have the Bible in its entirety back then. John was in one place that had no word whatsoever. And see, I want people to know the heart of God and I want people to know the heart of these disciples and I want them to know exactly where they were going, how they lived because you don't understand just complete and total chaos. Complete and total just utter... I mean, they were under persecution every single day. If it wasn't from the Jewish people, it was from the Romans. You know what? All you had to do is walk into one of their cities and you said, hey, these Roman gods are not, the, are not them. It's this unknown God that you don't know about. They start picking up stones. How many people have said something about Jesus and somebody reached back and said, I'm getting a stone and I'm going to kill you with it? Nobody in here. Nobody. We live in a different society, a different time. See, these people had the most conviction that you would ever find anywhere. They were alive. See, you want to know about living? You want to know about the life of God? They had so much of it that somebody could kill them and they would just raise each other from the dead. John, they bowled him. They broke his legs. And he just jumped right out of the boiling pot. So you know what they did? They went and put him on the Isle of Patmos. And he wrote the book of Revelations. See, we, we have a, a, a gifted, gifted life. Because I can go proclaim Jesus in the middle of any store. They may ask me to leave. But they ain't boiling me to death. The first time that they start boiling people to death, when the pots come on, you're going to see people run. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's going to happen. There's going to be people in the last days that this is going to become an illegal topic for us to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I want you to know the heart of John. I want you to know the heart of Jesus. Because John wrote, I think, the most masterful resurrection story that you could find. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the resurrection, saving grace, and the call. And I know some of this got a little bit cut off, so I'll try to read through this for you if you can't see it. But we're primarily going to be in the book of John chapter 20 and John chapter 21. So if you have your Bibles with you and you want to follow along, we're, going to, we're just basically going to go straight through it. So John chapter 20... Verses 1 through 8, and it says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark. You know, I think it's funny. Um, 
There's a lot of people that hate the word Easter. But the word Easter has been, you know, it's been completely and totally misinformed because people in the church, they, they were like, hey, we've got this word Easter. And the world come back and said, oh, well, the Catholic church just went and created, taken pagan, you know, things that was in an area and added to it. And they said, Easter is some goddess or whatever. But do you know, Easter is actually, the more they've studied the language there, they believe it's a derivative of the word dawn. And they believe that they got it from the book of John. Because he's talking about that Jesus was raised from the dead and they got there early. They got there at the dawn. And we find out right here that Mary Magdalene was the first one there. She went to the tomb. She was wanting to, I guess, go and, and you know, in other accounts, she was wanting to mourn. But see, it says here, while it was still dark, she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she, she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple. So, okay, the other disciple... So you're going to find that John refers to himself as the other disciple or the beloved, okay? That's why he was John the beloved. When you're the last disciple, you get to decide what your title is, okay? I mean, it's pretty amazing. I mean, if I'm the last guy around here, I'm going to say, well, I'm Superman, you know? But that's what John did. John said, I'm telling this story and I'm going to let you know what I saw from it. John said, hey, the other disciple, because I want you to understand I'm going to take, take my eye off of me a little bit and I'm going to show you what happened and who the players were. But I love some of the context here because it's so awesome. We're going to go through it here. So the other disciple, John, whom Jesus loved and said to him, to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have, they have laid him. In verse 3 it says, Peter therefore went out with the other disciple John and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. And when the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. See, this was a stab because Peter was already dead. He'd been crucified upside down. John's the last one. He's going, hey, I was, I was younger, prettier, and faster than Peter. I'm just letting you know I won that race. I was the first one to get there. Old man Peter, he didn't have it. I did. Okay? I love this because this is, this is who Jesus and the disciples were. They were just like us. They lived their life. And they had problems and they had, they had victories. But you know what? In every single case, they also lived life. They loved on each other. They believed in each other. And this is what we see here is that, hey, John loved, I, it'd be about like if I had a friend, and I have one, and he passed away a couple of years ago of a drug overdose. Almost went into business with this man. And I think about him because before he died, he came to me and we prayed the sinner's prayer and he got saved and I saw the race that this man ran. 
he was very troubled. Very troubled. But he loved me. And I loved him. And you know what? I tell funny stories about this dude all the time. You know, this friend of mine, he worked with me. And he would just, he would just, if it was a tense situation, if something was going on, and, and he would just start making up jokes about people. He'd, it'd be like, you know, he'd be like, hey, Charlie, you know, I know, I know you're upset about this, and we're going to fix your problem. But you know what? Won't you go, won't you go down the street, and won't you get some shut up? That's what you need to do. And that's the way Wes, my buddy, would do this. Do you know that that was not the case for John and for Peter? They were in, they, they were going back and forth with each other. You can kind of tell it. Because, because, you know, Peter, Peter and John, you know, Peter always wanted to be the one that was over there laying on Jesus, but he was too much of the manly man of I'm the loner. That was the way Peter lived his life. I was the manly fisherman. I mean, he was also probably about 15 years older than John was too. But I just, I see the love in these scriptures. If you read John chapter 20 and 21 and you don't see the love that John had for Peter, because when you love somebody... You live out their life through a story. And that is exactly what John was doing here. In verse 5, and it says, it says, and then he stooped down and looked in. So John was like, hey, I'm not going in there. And he saw the linen clothes lying there. Yet he, John, did not go in. Then Simon Peter came in, followed him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen clothes lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linens, linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. So I want, to, I want you to understand it is holy for you to be able to do your, fold your own laundry, okay? Because Jesus did. You know, he raised from the dead. He came back up and he said, I'm not going to leave this untidy. I'm going to fold all this stuff together and I'm going to put it down over here and I'm going to put this stuff over here. You know why I believe that was the case? It's because Jesus wanted them to know. I believe this is the kind of stuff that Jesus did in his own life. I believe Jesus would say, hey guys, we're getting together all of our stuff and we're going to go over here to Capernaum or we're going to go wherever. And I think he did some of the stuff that you see here. I think... Peter and John was so like, wait a minute, that's something the Lord would have done. Hey, in life and in death, we're going to be who we are. See, God created us to live in concert with Him. See, God wants all of us to understand that our talents, our abilities, the things that He's put inside of us, they're going to be on the other side in heaven too. And see, I believe in Jesus' case right here, He was trying to say, hey, I'm just Jesus. I folded my clothes. I folded up my, my linens. 
And I laid them out the way that they needed to happen. And in verse 8 here it says, And the other disciple, John, who came to the tomb, went in also and saw and believed. Now I want you to understand, it did not say that Peter believed. And we're going to find out here in a minute why I'm making such a big deal about this. John believed. John saw it. He said, hey, that's what the Lord would have done. But Peter didn't. So I put the, the shroud of turn up here. I am not, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of neutral on the shroud of Turin. Okay? But I will tell you this. In archaeological, archaeological terms, the, there's only been two archaeological sites that they have found a crucifixion by the Romans. Two. They've only found two bodies. So it was some, when you did this to somebody, it was a big deal. Okay? They have never found a shroud that was wrapping somebody together except for the one that was in Turin, Italy. And they believe that it was passed down. In fact, there's a lot of people that believe, uh, even in the scientific community, that it probably was Jesus. You know why? Because where would they have found a crucified body taking the linen and then went and taking it to Turin? It wouldn't have happened. So they actually believe that, hey, the disciples, I mean, some of the worldly people are going, hey, the disciples came, they took his body, they took the shroud, and they, they folded it up and they sent it off. Because they have not found a shroud anywhere like this. In fact, all of the things that you see here on this shroud, I know it's very hard because it, it, it's very hard. You can kind of see the outline of the body. But you can see all of the cuts all over the body. And that was where this Jesus himself had been cut by the, by the lashes. You know, everybody talks about how Jesus was hit with a cat nine tails 39 times. No, that was a Jewish law. Jesus was beaten until they got tired of it and then they brought other people in and they beat him until he didn't even look human. That's what happened to our Lord and Savior. He had every anguish. He had every fear. He had everything put on his body. And you know what happened? He took it for you. And he took it for me. And see, that's what I think is so awesome about this shroud is that I'm not going to say I believe one way or the other, but I will just tell you this. This is, a, this is so much like what would happen because this person was beaten so much. And we know that Jesus himself took on every lash for each, each other. I just wanted to show it to you because I thought it was really cool. But we're going to skip down to verse 19 in John chapter 20. See, I want you to understand that Jesus didn't just come to say, hey, I'm going to show off. I'm going to die and, and you're, going to, you're going to see me again, you know, again and then we're all, we're all good until you come to heaven. And that's when, that's when your life's going to begin. Jesus actually started a motion of things that was going to happen in the disciples' lives. But not just the disciples. 
but also in our lives. In John 20, verse 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled, for they feared the Jews. Hey, the Jews were going all over the place. They were trying to find this body. They were trying to find the disciples because they believed the disciples were the ones that went and took the body. Do you know that there's, there's a couple of things in politics that you need to understand? You can control every situation as long as you know where the bodies are buried. This is why they were so upset. There was no body anymore. Something had happened and they were like, we have to find this body because it's going to look bad. And believe me, it did. It looked really bad. And so they were trying to find the, the disciples. They wanted to, to punish them. They wanted to find out where did you put the body at. So Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, peace be with you. Now I highlighted peace here because he uses it twice in this set of scriptures. Okay, it's important for us to understand the context of all this word. Because it says, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. This is so important for us to understand the next two verses. Because if you don't understand this, I've heard this taken out of context so many times, and I'm just sitting there going, oh my gosh, you guys don't understand that one scripture doesn't make, doesn't make the whole Bible. You have to understand everything in context. In verse 22, it says, He had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Why did he do this? Because they weren't saved before this moment. See, what we have to understand is there had to be a beginning. And this was the beginning of people being saved. This was the beginning of Jesus after he had poured his blood on the mercy seat. See, there was a couple of scriptures up here that I, I, that I left off just for time. But Mary Magdalene and them came to go hug Jesus. And he said, hey, I, I haven't. I haven't fulfilled what I'm supposed to do for my father. He was supposed to put the blood on the mercy seat. But after he did that, he came back and he talked to his disciples. And he said unto them, he said, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. Now you may be saying, well, how does a disciple forgive sins? They tell him about Jesus. See, we're the agents of God here upon this earth. We're here to tell people about Jesus. That's how we get their sins forgiven them. Is that we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We give them the ability for, for them to be able to see what he has done in his body and in his new covenant. And then they have their sins forgiven them. But see, this is the scripture that usually just throws everybody into a tailspin. Oh, see, Jesus said that the disciples could go and they could say, your sins are not forgiven of you. This is where we get into really bad doctrine because what happens is, is that we believe that, that we have some power to be able to say, you, you, and you, y'all are sins are good. But oh, Jack Cornelius in the back, 
<laughs> not going to happen. Well, guess what? That's not what this scripture says at all. In fact, I like to go back to the Greek and look at some of these scriptures while you're, where you're going, what? Why is this scripture written this way? And so I actually gave you a Strong's Concordance here. You'll see it at the bottom. Uh, so I'm going to kind of read it for that as, as this. Because I want to take out some words that are not there, number one. And I want you to understand what some of these words mean. Because the word retained here is also the word for upholding, for taking up, for laying hands on. And see, that's a part of our job. It's a part of our job to sit here and say, we can go and uphold somebody because it didn't say sin. There is no word sin here. In context, it says that if you take up and hold up, they are held up. This word, this word kratio, all it means is to, to hold up. It means to, to lift up. It means to, to hold on to. There's a reason why we lay hands on people. It ain't just hallelujah and we're going to lay our hands on somebody. That's not, that's not the full-blown picture of what needs to happen. We lay hands on people because if I go up to somebody and somebody says, I don't know how to not sin. I don't know how to not do this. Then as a Christian, I am going to lay my hands on them and say, let's walk together. I'm going to take them into the world that we live in and I'm going to uphold them. I'm going to bring them to another place because Jesus himself was doing that with the disciples. Every single day they would do something stupid. He would turn around and say, how long am I going to be with you? How long do I have to carry you? But see, when we understand these scriptures and how they were written and, and how they flow together, we understand that we are to give people the gospel of Jesus Christ, that their sins are forgiven them, and that now we can uphold them when they say, I've been sinning and I don't know how to stop. We go with them and we uphold them and we walk with them and we carry them. Because what did it say above? Peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I also send you. Well, I want you to understand. He said peace twice. They were in fear. Fear is sin as much as going and, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know, back in my day when I was a kid, it was like, oh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll stuff. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Those, you can find sin everywhere. I mean, but... I think most people have sinful issues because they spend most of their time worrying, most of their time in some sort of strife, most of the time in something that is not peace. What is the opposite of peace? Strife, fear. See, what I want you to understand is Jesus is saying that when somebody is afraid, when somebody has strife, we're supposed to walk with them. We're supposed to help and undergird what they are 
what, where they should be going. You know, I would have never known how to have lived my life if my parents didn't teach me how to walk and talk and do all the things that I did. And, <clears throat> I mean, I learned how to, learned how to go into to business and do cybersecurity and all the things that I do today because somebody walked with me. <coughs> Excuse me. But I'm going to tell you what. Most of the time as a Christian nation, as a Christian church, as the body of Christ, we typically go, all right, you're saved. See you on the other side when you go to heaven. Just don't sin. And we don't disciple those people that need our help. And see, Jesus said, hey, I came and was given authority to do these things and you were given the same authority by me to go and to bring peace into people's lives. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this up and I know um, I, I want to I pull this together in a way that I think that you guys can probably, you guys can probably find really interesting because... I've found in my own life that there are times where I like God, but I don't know if I love Him. But I want you to know that He always loves you. You know, there's things in the Bible I wish weren't so. You know, there's things that, there's things that we have to do in order to be successful in life that I wish we could do away with. And you know what? Sometimes I get upset by things. Sometimes things have happened in my life and I want to blame God for them. And you know what? God himself says, hey, I'm going to walk with you and uphold you like everybody else. Just because you have a problem, just because something's going on, I'm not going to just throw you away. And see, this is what, this is what we're going to find out with Peter in John chapter 21. He was hurt. We find out in like John chapter 15 that Jesus told him, hey, I'm going to the cross and I'm going to die. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan, when Peter rebuked him. See, Peter was holding on to know, I want you to establish your kingdom. We've got a good thing going on, Jesus. Why are you going to go and mess it up by going and dying? You know, I say that. But there's a lot of people that may be listening here that somebody has passed on and the first thing you thought about was why'd you go and mess something up and go and die? Because it was a, it was a traumatic thing in your life. You know, Jesus is trying to get Peter to understand that there's more to life than just, just staying in one place and doing one thing that Jesus himself was trying to get Peter to understand you have to continue on. You have to be the one that, that takes it to the next level. Because I'm giving you power and authority to do so. In John chapter 21 verses 15 through 22, it says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me 
And this word love, if you go back and look in the Greek, is agape, the God kind of love. It's the kind of love that makes a choice and trust over anything else. See, we can have the different kinds of love is like phileos, the brotherly kind of love. Eros is the, the lustful kind of love. Ooh, she looks good. But see, this kind of love is the God kind of love because it chooses even when you are not the best choice. That's the God kind of love is he chooses you when you are not, when you think, man, why would anybody choose me? And see, Jesus is going, hey, do you choose me, Simon Peter? It says, more than any of these. And he said unto him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. But he uses the word phileo, which is the word for brotherly love. He goes, yeah, Jesus, you know I'm your bro. You know that I love you, man. Me and you, we're tight. Yeah, we did some good stuff together. See, and he said unto to him, so Jesus tells him, he said, well, then feed my lambs. Verse 16, it says, and he said unto him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, <clears throat> do you agape me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, bro. And he said unto him, he said, tend my sheep. Verse 17, he says unto them a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you phileo me? So Jesus said, hey, I'm going to meet you where you're at. Can we agree that you're just going to love me like this for right now? Because I'm willing to walk with you. I'm willing to talk with you. I'm willing to do whatever it is to get you to the place that I know you're called to be. And see, this is something that most people go, oh, well, you know, Simon is upset because he asked him three times. But no, the actual subject here, it says in verse 17, he said, um, he said, you phileo me. And Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, do you phileo me? He was upset because Jesus changed his terminology. He realized where his heart was at. He realized that he did not love Jesus as much as Jesus loved him. Do you know that's okay? Do you know that you can get saved today and that for a period of time you can say, I love the idea of Jesus. I love Jesus. I know that he's done some great stuff and, and I want him to do great stuff to me, but I'm just not feeling it. I just don't believe that he really chose me. So I phileo him. I, I go, yeah, Jesus is my bro. And you know what happened? Is that Jesus himself said, hey, I'll meet you where you're at. Because there's going to be some good things that are going to come to you and you're going to change your mind. And it said here in verse 18, Most assuredly I say unto you, when you were younger, you gird yourself and you walked and you, where you wished... But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and another will gird and carry you where you do not want to go or wish. This he spoke signifying of what death uh, he would be glorified. 
And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. He didn't say, you have to agape me before you can follow me. He said, I want you to follow me anyway. Follow me because you're going to find some great stuff that's going to happen. We're going to see an awesome revival of people. Oh, I'm going to tell you what. Right here was a couple of weeks, probably like five, six weeks before Pentecost. Pentecost, Peter stands up in front of everybody and he just lays it down. They, people, people went, you know, the Sanhedrin went and grabbed him and said, what are you doing? He spoke like a man that had been with Jesus is what they said. And he was full of the Holy Ghost is what it, is what it says in, in Acts chapter 3 there. Do you want to know what's, you want to know what's awesome about this? Is in that five weeks, Jesus went from Jesus is my bro to I fully choose Jesus over everything. I choose Jesus among, they can kill me. They can kill me. We well, see just a few day, just a few days before this. They said, "Do you know Jesus?" And he denied him three times. That's the heart of where Peter was at. See, what I want you to understand is that Jesus is wanting to walk with us so much that he's just saying, "Hey, I don't really know exactly all the things that your heart's going to feel right this minute, but I want you to follow me." Just pick up your cross. Pick up the things that are going on in your life that you want to crucify and follow me. And Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, whom he also leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is this one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said unto him, If I will remain till he comes, what is it to you? Follow me. See, I think most people are following Jesus because they're following someone else. And when that person falls, that person dies, it may be a, a parent, a grandparent, a child, a, a, a pastor, a somebody, and you said, because they are no longer around, I don't know how to, to live my life because I'm living it vicariously through someone else. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to think about this guy. See, Peter, in this case, he was envious of John. But see, it may not be that you're envious of somebody. It may be that you're living vicariously because you miss someone. And see, that's what I want you to understand is that Jesus is telling us, follow me. Follow me in every circumstance. Follow me and our love and our relationship will grow. Do you know what it's like to have a relationship where it grows? I know with me and Heather, you know, I thought I loved her. But I'm going to tell you what, it was more of an Eros thing before it became an agape thing. I'm just going to tell you straight up. It was like, woo, look at that woman. I just want her so bad. And Charlie had his shotgun out and he was like, stay away from my daughter. <laughs> and, and so, you know, it was an Eros type love. 
And then there's been times where me and Heather have had a brotherly love where it's like we're on the same page trying to, trying to, get, uh, trying to get things done. And guess what? There's also been times where it's like I'm having to choose you even though I don't want to choose you. Do you know that all of those loves are good? Every single one of them. But you know what? I still follow her and she still follows me. And see, that's the point that I want to make to you today is that no matter where things have happened in your life and what is going on in your life and where, where things you think may be taking you, Jesus is saying, just follow me. Don't worry about whether you love me like your brother or you love me, you know, you choose me no matter what. I just want to have a relationship with you. Because you know what? Every single relationship that I've ever had with anybody started out exactly like this. It was like, I don't know if I truly like this person or not. But you know what? Over time, just like my buddy Wes that passed away a few years ago. You know, I loved him. I didn't like everything he did, but I chose him and he chose me. And see, Jesus chooses you every single day. Jesus chooses you in every situation. And he says, hey, you can like me some days and not like me other days. You know, it's okay not to like God sometimes. God is, God's a big boy. God's had lots of people not like him. But see, just like a family, I might not like things that are going on in my family. I might not like something somebody's done. I may blame somebody in my family, but I'm going to tell you what, I love them and I choose them anyway. And that's exactly where Jesus is today for you. You know, what I'm going to do this morning is I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pray over our food and I'm going to dismiss this and I'm going to, I'm going to tell anybody that would like to pray one-on-one a prayer for salvation. I will be up here at the front. If you have prayer for anything else, if you have sickness in your body, if you have a circumstance that you want somebody to agree with, because the Bible says that if any two shall agree, that it shall be done for them as it is in heaven. Jesus would be in the midst of that circumstance. And so I want to give people the opportunity in a safe environment to be able to come up and pray with me if they believe that they have something. But see, I can't follow Jesus for you. You have to follow Jesus. Wherever you're at, in whatever situation, however you believe, you are the one that's going to have to follow him. And you'll have to take, you'll have to take the gospel on your own. I can walk with you, I can uphold you, but there's a certain point where it would be called imprisonment. And nobody wants me to come and throw them in jail and say, you're going you're gonna to do what I tell you to do. Because God gave us free will and he wants us to love him freely. Because you can't have love without free will. It just doesn't work. You know, I fully, freely love my wife. I, I love her because of free will. Well, sometimes she tells me you're going to anyway, but that's a different story. 
But if everybody would just bow your head, I'm going to pray over you and I'm going to pray you out. And then I'll be up here waiting for the people um, that want to have prayer. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. We thank you, dear Lord, on this resurrection Easter Sunday that you have created in us the opportunity to be able to, to just hear your gospel, hear your word, and that we can be saved, that we can start walking with you, that we can follow you, and that you will take us from our sins and our our sicknesses and our mire, Father, that we are bogged down in, and that you will just progress us through life, and that we will have abundant life if we allow you to do so, and if we work with you. Father, I just pray over everybody as they go forth this week. I pray, dear Lord, that you are just giving them more and more confirmation of the love of God, the agape kind of love that you have for them. And I pray in Jesus' name that you are just bringing people across their paths so that they can uphold them and also so that they can up, so they can be up I pray, dear Lord, that there are systems of families that they live in where they are constantly for the rest of their lives being upheld in love. I pray over this food that we're about to receive may nourish our bodies. I thank you for the time of fellowship where we get to know each other more and more. And I just thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.